Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line KINY. And good morning, everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio, current acting chief of JPD, Craig Campbell. How are you doing today? Good morning, Jordan. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It's good to have you. You've had a you've had quite the the series of uh, technically promotions since the last time we've talked. A lot of different changes, uh, but it's been good and just excited to be there and help uh, serve the department. Definitely. Now, first, talk to me about that. Kind of talk to me about the process of you becoming the the deputy chief, but now being the acting chief until uh, incoming chief boss gets here next month. Yeah. So we held uh, the application process for the deputy chief. Uh, Probably about a little bit over a month and a half ago, and I went through that. Ultimately, was selected for the process. Chief Boss came down for that, so he was a part of that process. Got to meet him, talk to him a little bit more, which is a great time to just kind of, you know, to get to know the person that's going to come here to Juneau. Uh, I think it would be a great fit for JPD and the community. So we're really looking forward to that. Uh, and he'll be here February 1st is his first day. Okay, I'll have to be. I'll have to make sure I talk with the chief when he gets here. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely make sure he's the one that comes in for JPD next month. <laughs> now, my first question is, because I'm sure a lot of folks kind of still have this on their mind, is the swap being in downtown uh, late last month. That was pretty noticeable for a lot of folks. I've made a joke a few times here in the office that I got exposed to some of the some of the gas that was used down there. But maybe talk to me a bit more about what was going on there. Yeah, it's really hard to stay. Um, <laughs> You know, not out in the public eye when we got our uh, big red vehicle out there and our teams out there trying to make an arrest and, you know, work that investigation. But it ultimately was an investigation regarding the uh, distribution of controlled substance, which is drugs, narcotics, however you want to say it, uh, that were coming into Juno. And it was someone that we believe and it's alleged that was dealing drugs, specifically things like fentanyl into our community. And we think that's such a dangerous part that are affecting the lives of our community members. Uh, and ultimately through some great work of our drug detectives and CCAD, which are Southeast Alaska Communities Against Drugs, task force um, that they were able to gather information, obtain warrants for the person's residence and go there to start our investigation. And like anything, we want to give people opportunity to come out peacefully. And so, you know, we have a variety of steps that we go through and ultimately that person decided they weren't going to come out and they, they knew we were there. They were going to stay upstairs. There's reasons for us to believe that the person uh, is potentially armed, potentially dangerous, uh, at least to us. And that's why our SWAT team was there uh, to try to like bring things safer um, for everybody, the, the person for us, for the community. And, you know, we ultimately like saw you were there. We, uh, uh, put in chemical munitions. It was like uh, what we call, you know, pepper spray and things like that, which, and it's really actually just a deterrent to make people uncomfortable in their current environment uh, and try to force them outside without causing any lasting effects. And it, we were there for quite a while. And as you probably heard, you know, we're on the loudspeaker talking. We're really trying to get that person to come out. Uh, ultimately, they didn't. So we had to put in the chemical munitions. And ultimately, they did come out. Uh, and it was a peaceful resolution where nobody got harmed. And I think it was a, a, a good win for us in the community because ultimately we did find, the subprice on the press release, uh, a lot of drugs that would probably have gone out to the community, including fentanyl. We found weapons. And those drugs and weapons just are not a good combination to have. And I think it was a win for the department and win for the community that this person was ultimately was arrested. So I think just uh, just want to say kudos to our, our drug unit and kudos to the department for how they handled that situation. They did great work. 
And I will also give you a kudos for that. And for any of those folks wondering what it's like being exposed to those uh, those munitions, there was still a little bit of it lingering uh, when uh, Jazz Garrett and I were getting photos out there. And you could feel it. I mean, it was stinging my eyes. You could feel it in, like, the base of your throat as well. But also due to my knowledge of how to deal with the various things that just burn, I was like, don't worry. It'll go away in a little while. If it doesn't, there's, there's some things we can make here at the, in the studio kitchen if we need to to make it go away and not be as bad. So, but definitely keep that in mind and let that be a deterrent for you to do anything is know that that's not fun. It's not a good yeah. experience. And our hope is that people would realize like, okay, I mean, your house is surrounded. The police are calling you out. They have warrants to get in. They're kind of coming. They're not going away. And although we don't want things to ramp up and be, you know, have any type of force use, we would like people to come out. Uh, but ultimately the person that's in that house gets to make the choice what happens you know if once we knock and say hey please with a search warrant if you come out nothing else happens but if you say you know no or you don't come out you don't obey commands we have to continue with our job and we try to do that in a small stepping stone approach to do whatever force is necessary but without going over too much Um, and i think for this example i think it was we did what we had to do and and no more Gotcha. And you guys, I believe if I remember correctly, you guys were out there for a couple of hours. Yeah, a long time um, uh, for that type of event. I think it was three or four hours. Uh, Does it sound about right? I think it was about three hours you guys were out there for. I'm just thankful it wasn't uh, single digit temperatures. And we've had a few of those out there. So most definitely. Now, having talked about that, there was uh, there is a bit more of a recent topic I want to talk to you, which was considering all this uh, significant snowfall we had, a curiosity question just kind of sparked in my mind. So, say once someone gets stuck, what is exactly how can what exactly does JPD do? Because I saw a couple of cop cars out there. I know from I got stuck and I saw a JPD officer end up pulling up. So, kind of what's the protocol for that? Just because that was something that recently happened, and now my brain's kind of like, well, now I need an answer for. That. <laughs> Yeah, so that would be something that someone can call the police department and notify them they're stuck, give their location, uh, and kind of ask, you know, what kind of help do they need? But typically, as long as the officers are not busy, we would respond with an officer. At the very least, they could provide traffic safety. So they can park, they could have lights, because when you're trying to get out, sometimes, you know, you could get in the roadway, you're stuck, there's people around. And depending on the roadway, uh, it might just might not be the safest solution to be outside your car trying to mess with that. Uh, so the additional lighting can help keep so pe- be visible so people see you, and then they can kind of work on trying to help get resources to you to get pulled out. I and mean, obviously the cop cars can't put a strap on there and tow you out, but they can work with you to provide service, you know, make sure, hey, can you call a, a tow truck or do you have a phone? Because uh, all those things happen, right? It could be one of those days where somebody leaves their phone at home and now can't call somebody. Um, and hopefully as an officer sees someone in the ditch, they would stop and check on them like, hey, what do you need? Uh, and there's some times where you might have to leave a vehicle in the ditch to a safer time of the day to maybe where there's less traffic to pull it out. But at least we're aware and it's not something that we have to continually be checking on. No, definitely. Like with with my situation, it was where it's like, you know, hey, I'm stuck trying to get onto the roadway. So luckily I'm not in the roadway, but it's in a position where it's like that would impede other traffic. Luckily, yeah. there was someone there who was able to pull me out. and then, But I still saw JPD, you know, pull up, park, kind of see what the situation was. And kind of also kind of help control that area. So also kudos kudos there. I know that was uh, Officer Savage. So I'll, I'll give him a shout out <laughs> for that, for, for rolling up. I don't think he saw that I was in the car that was stuck, but I know that I saw him because I see him quite often for a variety of reasons but just kind of wanted to be like yeah you know that's a good question to have because i remember i also got stuck last year when there was a big storm different different vehicle even it was like hey what do we do here but no thank you for that clarification 
Now, we are going to move into our break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about a, a tried and true question I have for you at this point, which is checking in about recruiting. But you are listening to Action Line on KINY. And welcome back to Action Line on KINY. Joining me still is Acting Chief of the Juno Police Department, Craig Campbell. Now, as I mentioned before we went into the break, it's time for me to ask you about our tried and true topic. How is recruitment going? You know, recruitment is still a struggle for us. I mean, we have a lot of different things in place as far as advertising and advertising and working with a, a recruitment firm that kind of just puts our department and brand and messaging uh, out through all over the United States, uh, which is helpful to get some applications in. But we're, we're still hurting for uh, applicants and qualified applicants is the biggest one. And I'm a big fan of trying to get people from our community, our local representation to be a part of the police department. And I always tell anybody um, who either they have been interested in police work or not, if I find someone who I think, hey, this seems like a good person that is um, meet, has the qualifications we need, is I try to put, you know, encourage them, hey, give JPD a thought. If you've never thought about police work, but maybe you have a harder service, uh, it could be a great fit for you. And sometimes just getting to know the department, what does it entail? Um, I try to encourage people to come out and give us a look because I think it would be a job that people enjoy, that you feel satisfied with and feel that you know, a sense of accomplishment. And I, I believe, I, I mean, we, our police department's better off when we have a diverse representation of our community. And that's really, I want to get that word out to people and be like, hey, we want to include you and be a part of our police department and get that message out. Uh, and I think it's just trying to find those avenues to um, get that to people and feel them feel inclusive um, is in our best interest as a community. And that was going to be the next part of that I asked you about is how do you really work to make sure that it feels like JPD is that sort of diverse and inclusive environment? Because I know, especially, you know, with, you know, lots of things going on that around the country the last couple of years, that can be quite challenging. Yeah. Uh, I think part of it is being proactive and being trying to reach out to community leaders in those different groups to try to build relationships. One, to build that relationship so they know like, oh, okay, I know my police department. I know Craig Campbell. I know Derek Boss, who are the chiefs. I know these officers. They're good quality people. And that helps. And I think it helps build that relationship so they put that word out to other people that they might know. And it goes just all over. And to be, and yes, would just be proactive in trying to find people and say, hey, we need representation from, you know, these different groups uh, for our community. And because I think just, we're better off. We're more diverse. We have just a better understanding of other people's cultures and how that impacts others. Um, and I think that's what we're called to do. We're called to serve our community and how best can you serve it uh, if you don't have that inclusion. And I think it's a very good point because I think one of the big things I've always talked with you a lot about, and I think I've talked with the most of JPD about, it, is really the importance of actual proper community policing. Because oftentimes in you know in lower forty eight locations, you may have police that you know they police in one community, but they live in a different one, and so that can cause a very much a disconnect between your actual you know civilian population and the police department. And so by JPD living in the community and having direct interactions with the public almost all the time and then still being there when they're not on duty, I think that plays a very significant role in building that trust with everybody. Would you agree with me on that? I would agree. And I think that because of the uh, somewhat isolation of our city, it, it just invites that so much, right? As an officer, when I first started working at JPD, it took about two years before it, I felt like 
people just knew that I was an officer, whether I was at Fred Meyer, whether I was at a baseball game. Uh, people just know who you are because they see you and stuff like that. Uh, so you have to kind of work uh, work and live your life knowing that everybody knows who you are. You have to hold yourself to the standard the community is going to put you at. Uh, and that is a higher standard, uh, I believe. And so you got to be willing to uphold that. And I think that it just invites people to, um, you know, try to build those relationships. But it's also getting that message out to staff is, hey, when we're out there policing, we are wanting to do community policing, which is really just building relationships with people as you do things. Uh, You can still make arrests, you can still do citations, you can still do your job, but you can do it with community mindset uh, and build relationships with community with every contact you have. Um, Definitely. Now, Walk me through the process of what that looks like for someone to join JPD, because obviously I think that's going to be a big thing for folks that might be interested. They're just not sure what that process looks like. So talk with me about that. Yeah. So for me, if I was talking to somebody who was interested in being a part of JPD, I would typically try to, one, make sure that, you know, they can look at online, they can look at, you know, the pay, the benefits, those things the city offers, uh, which I think are very competitive and make sure like you know, hey, you're not leaving a job that pays three times as much to this. You know, most people might not do that unless you really just had a heart to do it. But make sure it's uh, a wage that is supportive to your life and what you would be expecting. But I always invite them, like, come come out to JPD. Let's do a walkthrough of the department so you can kind of see about it. Uh, let's talk a little more just about day-to-day stuff. Um and I wish to encourage people to do a ride-along with officers. That's where we have a ride-along program. You can ride with an officer, talk to them, see what kind of calls they go on and things they deal with. Uh, because you might find that, hey, this is kind of interesting. I like this. I like that I was able to help this person out in this type of environment or, you know, make an arrest for someone who needed to go to jail. And I felt a sense of accomplishment uh, because of that. And... Those things have to be something that you have a desire to do. And I, I do believe it's not for everybody, um, but for those people that are called to serve in that capacity, uh, it can be very rewarding. Uh, so I tell people, like, go do that to make sure it's a good fit. And then we start looking at, okay, what does the application process look like? Uh, it starts off with a, a, a written test uh, that would just kind of like you have to take online and just make sure you are – you know, successfully, uh, successfully passing certain criteria for that. You do a physical fitness test. And sometimes that for people, you have to start like practicing for. It's not overly difficult, but you do a series of events in a row, which can be tiring. But as like anything, you start practicing for it and you get better, stronger, faster, that type of stuff. Uh, next phase from that is our oral board. So we do a, uh, like it's kind of an interview with three uh, members of our staff. They ask you a series of standard questions uh, really to see can people talk? Uh, can they answer questions that are rational and reasonable uh, and be able to see, like, are they experienced? Do they have maturity? Those types of things we're kind of looking for. But all those things you can practice, right? And I always tell people, hey, if you're going to do an oral board for the police department, uh, get online and Google police oral boards. You can find a variety of questions and practice doing those. Uh, and like anything, if you're applying for a job at a location, do some research on that. Do research on Juno, the police department, the community. That how allows you to give better answers on things like that. Uh, and after that, those things all pass. It goes into a basically starts of our background process where we have a uh, detective and civilian investigators that will just do that deep dive and to make sure and 
sure that this is a qualified person that we want for our community. And I do tell people this, Juno has really high standards to become a, a law enforcement officer in our community. And we really do that to protect our community. And it goes a long ways to have people that have, are, uh, are vetted and we believe are gonna be a good fit here. Gotcha. Well, on that, what is your, what would you want the last sort of takeaway for those kinds of folks to be there? Really just kind of on the fence about considering it. I would just say, you know, if you are considering it all, reach out to the police department. You can reach out to myself. Let's have some more conversations uh, and just get really interested, get curious about it. And I think you'll find that uh, the police department here in Juneau is a great police department with amazing people uh, and you wouldn't be sorry for going there and working there. All right. Well, on that note, Acting Chief Campbell, thank you very much for coming in and chat with me. It's always good to check in with JPD, and I'm sure you'll find a way to get Chief Boss in here next month. I'm sure you will. I'm sure he will. (laughs) Thanks, Jordan. All right. On that note, you've been listening to Action Line on KINY. Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. KINY.